For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the Marriage Covenant Agreement and Lawsuit. This is part one of the series. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Program. In this teaching, we're going to be sharing with you on the subject of the marriage covenant agreement and lawsuit. In doing so, we are going to understand and realize that at Mount Sinai, there was a marriage that was between Yeshua, the bridegroom, who is also the law giver and his people who he brought out of Egypt and they are called the house of Jacob in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3 and he made a marriage offer to them in Exodus in chapter 19 in verses 5 and 6 which says if you obey my voice and keep my covenant then you will be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. And this offer was accepted as we can see in Exodus in chapter 19 verse 8. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. So there was a three-day preparation once the marriage offer was accepted. As we can see in Exodus chapter 19 verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon Mount Sinai. And so Moses is being one of the witnesses to this marriage and he's escorting the bride to Mount Sinai, which is likened to a hoopah or a wedding canopy where there, there will be an exchange of vows. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 17, and Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the nether or in Hebrew it means at the base of the mountain and so the people came to the base of Mount Sinai and the imagery is that they were standing underneath the chuppah and so there the details of the marriage agreement is given and the details then is Exodus in chapter 20 
which we understand and refer to as the Ten Commandments. And so the instructions of the Ten Commandments is the big picture, but then the details of how to follow the basic instructions, the Ten Commandments, is given in the rest of the agreement. And in the book of Exodus, it's Exodus chapter 21, 22, 23, and then the agreement is finalized and there is the confirming of the covenant by blood and then there's a meal where you sat down in making the covenant agreement. And so then in Exodus, in chapter 21, verse 1, it says, these are the judgments. And the Hebrew word here is mishpat or mishpatim. And so the details of the marriage covenant agreement is called the mishpatim. So how do we apply the Ten Commandments in the the general instructions in which we are to conduct our lives in showing how we have a relationship with the God of Israel and how we treat one another. And so the details is called the Mishpatim. And so we have an outline of those details in Exodus chapter 21, 22, 23, and into 24. And other details is given in the other books of the Torah. And so in order to get the the full picture of all the details that was given on how we follow follow the basic instructions, the Ten Commandments, they are spread throughout the books of the Torah. And so in looking at the general instruction, the Ten Commandments, it falls under two major categories. One is how we interact and have relationship with the God of Israel. And the other major category is how we treat one another. And so a phrase that capsulizes the way in which we are to treat our fellow brother is Leviticus in chapter 19 and verse 18, where at the end of the verse says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So then in the gospels, in Matthew chapter 22, Yeshua was asked of all the commandments in the Torah, what are the greatest commandments? And the the greatest commandment is Deuteronomy in chapter six, verses four and five. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second greatest commandment is Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so as a part of the agreement that was made at Mount Sinai is Exodus chapter 23 in verse 20. I will send a malak in Hebrew. And malak in Hebrew means a messenger. And so an angel is one kind of messenger, but not all messengers are angels. And so the translators chose to translate Malak as angel, where in Exodus chapter 23, verse 20, it says, I will send an angel before you to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Obey the voice of the Malak. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For 
my name is in him. And it goes on to say that he's going to bring you into the land. When you go in the land, don't make covenant with the peoples that are in the land, neither practice after their ways. So who is this Malak? Who is this messenger that the people at Mount Sinai agreed to obey his words and that his name, the name of the God of Israel, is in him? Because it's this Malak that appeared to Moses in Exodus in chapter 3 and verse 2, in the Malak of the Lord appeared unto him, unto Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And so we see the Malak appeared to Moses and the words of the Malak, the people agreed to follow at Mount Sinai. So this is a part of the marriage agreement as well. So who is this Malak? It is Yeshua the Messiah. So the people at Mount Sinai agreed to believe in follow the words and the commandments of the Malak. In effect, they agreed to accept Yeshua as the Messiah at Mount Sinai. And so we're going to go over this and its details in the first part of the teaching as we go over the marriage covenant agreement to lay out what was the agreement, what are the details of the agreement. And then we're going to go into the prophets and we're going to see how the prophets in the name of the God of Israel brought a covenant lawsuit against the house of Jacob for violating the terms of the marriage covenant at Mount Sinai. So in Hosea chapter 4 verse 1 it says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. And so this word controversy is a Hebrew word riv or reef and And what that word generically means, it just means a heated dispute. And so one form of a heated dispute is a lawsuit. And so he brought charges against his people for breaking the terms of the covenant at Mount Sinai. And central in his accusations of his people through the prophets is the way in which they treated one another. So he brought charge that they were not loving their neighbor as their self. They were mistreating their brother. They were taking advantage of their brother. Instead of treating their brother properly, they were oppressing their brother. And so then in Hosea, in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, the Lord has a controversy with Judah. And so as we read in Hosea 4, 1, the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. In Hosea, in chapter 12, verse 2, he has a controversy verse with Judah that this is translated in the New English translation as the Lord has a covenant lawsuit with his people. And so this is what we're going to be going over, the details of the marriage covenant agreement and the lawsuit and what are the charges and the accusation of the lawsuit. And this is brought by and through the prophets of Israel. So we're going to go through the prophetic books of the Bible and see what the charges are. Then we're going to go into the New Testament. We're going to look at the ministry of Yeshua and we're going to see two things in the ministry of Yeshua. Number one, we're going to see how he taught 
his followers to obey the details of the marriage covenant agreement at Mount Sinai. And he did this, among other things, in his teachings on what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And then he demonstrated in his life how you live out following the marriage covenant agreement at Mount Sinai. And so when he healed the blind, the deaf, the lepers, the lame, etc., what he was really doing was he was relieving those that were oppressed. And so this is central to the marriage covenant agreement at Mount Sinai is to not only treat your brother and love your neighbor as yourself, but you are to stand up for and stand against oppression that you were to apply and live a life of righteousness and justice. You were to stand for righteousness and justice in the way you expressed your faith in the God of Israel. The righteousness and justice which he laid out in the marriage covenant agreement at Mount Sinai. And so that being the case, as believers in Yeshua as Messiah, what we are called to do is the following. We'll summarize what the entire Bible is about this way. Our goal and our objective is to learn the character of God and then from knowing and understanding and learning the character of God, then we are to live out his character in our lives and we are to bring his character. We are his agents in the world and we are to be living and expressing his character before others. That's why Yeshua said that you are the light of the world and we're supposed to show forth the character of God to others and bring God's character into their lives. And so in doing this, the expression is that we're bringing forth and declaring the kingdom of God on the earth through our lives and in the administration of how we interact with others. And so we're going to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Yeshua's life and ministry, where he demonstrated and showed us how we are to live this out. And we do it in the context of seeking to do the will of our Father, which is in heaven. And this is how Yeshua lived his life. He lived his life to do the will of his Father. And in doing so, he served others and he gave his life for others and we are to walk as he walked first john chapter 2 and verse 6 and then what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through acts and the letters of paul of john of peter and we're going to see as well in james the entire book of james that these are the things that paul and john and peter and james were teaching in their letters to follow the details of the marriage covenant agreement at Mount Sinai, which encapsulized two main things. How we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and how we're supposed to treat our fellow brother, that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, that we're supposed to, to live a righteous life, meaning we're supposed to follow and obey the ways of God and his commandments and his instructions to us, and we are to live and apply righteousness and justice in our lives and apply it to others as we interact with them. And then it all is finalized in Revelation in chapter 22, verses 14 and 15, that those who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah and they love their neighbor as their self, that they follow his commandments through the help of his spirit and then exemplify the fruit of the spirit, they get a reward of inheritance in 
they get to live forever with Messiah in the new Jerusalem and be his bride. Those who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, but they live a carnal life, their life are, is influenced by the flesh, they lose out on inheritance. They get to be in heaven. They get to live forever with Messiah because they've trusted in Yeshua as their Savior. And so they get the reward of being in heaven and living forever with him. But because they've lived carnal lives and they've not submitted themselves to the Spirit of God and they don't have the fullness of the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, they lose out on inheritance reward. And there's two elements and aspects, two major ones to the inheritance reward, and that is living with Messiah in his kingdom, the thousand-year messianic kingdom. And the other is being his bride that he dwells with in the new Jerusalem, that instead they are in heaven, they're in the new heavens and the new earth, but they're living outside of the new Jerusalem, outside the gate. And that's the meaning of Revelation chapter 22 and verse 15. And so this is an overview of what we're going to be covering in this teaching as the goal in living our life in faith unto the God of Israel is also summarized this way. In Daniel in chapter 12 in verse 2, it says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life. Now, the word life in Hebrew is chai, some to everlasting chai. And so in the Hebrew culture, whenever you make a toast with someone, you make the toast and you say these words, l'chaim. And so what is the meaning of the toast? What's the meaning of the words? What are you agreeing to do? Well, what you're doing is you're making a toast to say, may you and I have the very best that life has to offer. May we live the supreme and premium life that we can live. And so the way you express the supreme and premium life that you can live is through the Hebrew word chai. And so our goal is to have everlasting chai, that the life that we live in what we experience is nothing but chai. And so there's a resurrection, we're told in Daniel 12 verse 2, there's a resurrection for those to have everlasting chai. And then it also says that there are those who have a resurrection to everlasting contempt. And so the issue of what is everlasting high is brought up in the New Testament. And what we're going to learn in the teaching is there's two levels or aspects to what is explained in the New Testament of what is everlasting high. Well, the equivalent Greek word to the Hebrew word high is zoe. And so it would be in the Greek everlasting zoe. And so there's two major elements or aspects of attaining everlasting zoe or everlasting high. The first is believing in Yeshua as the Messiah to put your trust and confidence in him for your salvation, to receive his shed blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And so this brings you the status of everlasting high. And the reward for doing that is you get to live forever with Messiah and you get to be in what is commonly thought of in Christianity as heaven. Now, in reality, the Bible tells us 
that in the fullness of time that heaven and earth are one and the same thing because in Revelation chapter 21 when John sees the new heavens the new earth that it comes down out of heaven and Yeshua said it this way in Matthew in chapter 6 when his disciples asked him teach us to pray he said your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so the fullness of the will of God is it done on earth and heaven and so that's why at the end of the ages when we get to eternity that heaven comes down to earth and they are one and the same so if you accept Yeshua as your Messiah put your faith and trust and confidence in him and receive his shed blood for the forgiveness of your sins and making him your savior you will live eternally with him and you will live forever in heaven but biblically speaking whenever you accept Yeshua as your savior you enter into a marriage agreement with him and that marriage initially is in the form of a betrothal you are legally married to but you do not physically dwell with and so the second stage of the biblical marriage is when you physically dwell with your spouse and so in order for Yeshua to go from being betrothed to dwelling with his spouse he want his bride to love him and to keep his commandment to keep the marriage covenant agreement which when that original offer was accepted it became a betrothal and so those who are faithful in the betrothal he will end up dwelling with now the place where he dwells with his bride it has has twofold application he's going to be dwelling with his bride in the thousand year messianic era but the fullness of him dwelling with his bride is in the new Jerusalem he's going to be dwelling with his bride forever in the new Jerusalem and so those then that after accepting him as their savior trusting in Yeshua and his shed blood for your salvation you receive everlasting high and you get to spend forever with him in heaven but you have to be faithful once you've made and exchanged the marriage covenant vows with Yeshua you got to love him and keep his commandments which the general category of what that looks like is you'll love your neighbor as yourself and by submitting your life and yielding your life to the God of Israel to Yeshua and to his ways you submit yourself to his Holy Spirit and there is evidence that you submit yourself to his Holy Spirit you will have what is mentioned in Galatians in chapter 5 by Paul as the fruit of the Spirit and so the fruit of the Spirit is the manifestation of the character of Messiah you see we can't express the character of the God of Israel the character of Messiah without his spirit we can't do it in our own flesh and in our own ability so if we yield ourselves to the following of his spirit and we do this by crucifying our flesh then we get the reward of being able to dwell with him to complete the second stage of the marriage and that has a twofold application dwelling with Yeshua during the thousand year messianic era when he rules and reigns on the earth and then ultimately the, the ultimate fulfillment is being his bride that he lives and dwells with forever in the new Jerusalem so failure after you accept Yeshua as the Messiah to submit yourself to his Holy Spirit and failure to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in your life in other words you're a believer in Yeshua but you've remained a baby in Messiah you're a believer in Yeshua but you are still influenced and dominated 
motivated by the flesh, it will cause you to lose out of reward. In other words, you'll still be in heaven because you've accepted Yeshua as the Messiah and thus you've attained eternal life by believing in him, but you miss out on the inheritance aspect of eternal life, which is dwelling with him in the new Jerusalem forever. And so this is explained and outlined by Paul in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 1, where he says, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Messiah. So a babe in Messiah here is defined as someone that's carnal. And a babe in Messiah has this characteristic. I fed you with milk and not with meat for you will not able to bear it, neither are you now, for you are yet carnal. He's writing to believers who are carnal. Well, that's going to conclude part one of the series on the subject, the marriage covenant agreement and lawsuit. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts in order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others. We are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.